1: That's right, chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No process over requested by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Hi, everybody, this is the Cricket Badger Podcast.
1: Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very
0: powerful for digging. The name Badger probably comes from the French word bêcher, meaning digger. Hello, Cricket Badgers everywhere. Welcome along to another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. I'm James, as always, taking you through. And first of all, thank you very much to tvsportsblog.com. Excellent sporting content on that website and the support of the Cricket Badger Podcast as always, is very much appreciated. Give them a follow, please, on Twitter, at TV Sports Blog. But let's get into this podcast, because this is a good one. I'm going to take you directly into the England bio bubble. I'm going to talk to Gloucestershire wicketkeeper batsman James Bracey, who is a member of the England 22. He's on the reserve list, but as we've seen already, a couple of the members of the reserve list have already been named in the 13s. So, effectively, England have a 22-man squad for the England versus West Indies series. And James comes on, and he talks on an initially dodgy old Trafford Wi-fi signal but it gets better as the podcast goes on we talk to him about a rather different kind of summer from lockdown to to being named in the 55 to being named in the 30 and then in the 22. How has that been? What is he learning about his game and how close does he think he is to England test selection? It's a really nice little insight, this actually, from a player who's come from outside of a lot of people's recognition into the England main squad setup. And if you didn't know anything about James Bracey before listening to this podcast, by the end of it, you will, because at the end of it, he takes on the cricket badger 20 questions as well. A few people are told me that James Bracey was a really nice lad and I think you'll find that that information was actually very true. I really enjoyed this chat with James Bracey. I think he's actually closer to the England eleven than maybe even he thinks at the moment and obviously scoring the 85 he did do in the Butler against Stokes warm-up game did him no harm at all and started making people talk about him as a possible member of England's top order or indeed the wicketkeeper batsman if Jos Butler does make way. Really enjoyed this chat with James Bracey from his hotel room at Old Trafford in the bio bubble. On this edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast.
1: It's that badger style.
0: So, I mean, your, your last few weeks has been a little bit crazy, is not it?
1: Yeah, been a, a bit surreal, yeah. I mean, a bit intimidating for the first week or so, but... Yeah, you know, really enjoyable. Obviously, something I've been working towards. Uh, to uh, have the opportunity has been really nice.
0: For, for a lot of people, your name will have come out of nowhere almost. Obviously, yeah, you know, playing for Gloucestershire, etc. People that don't follow county cricket particularly closely and, and dip in and out of the Test matches, the name James Bracey suddenly appearing in in England <laughs> squads and what have you will have come a, come a little bit left field. But I mean, I, I've been I've been following you for some time now, and particularly since I noticed that you followed the at cricket underscore badger Twitter feed, which is obviously um, a massive plus for. You. (laughs) (laughs) I mean your your performances deserve it I mean was it expected or was it something that you you weren't necessarily expecting just yet
1: yeah I think this one was a little bit out of the blue I think a lot of people would have obviously felt that way as well I think obviously making my debut last summer that was a bit more a bit more expected I was I was lined up and sort of taken to India before Christmas and and did okay here there as well so those opportunities over the winter were were a little bit more less out of the blue and they obviously went really well so there was always a shot of putting my name forward this summer obviously with no county cricket due to current circumstances that was um I thought that was sort of put on hold and that would take me sort of a bit longer to to establish myself amongst the England side but obviously it's gone the other way and produced uh an opportunity for for more guys to sort of put their name in the hat and luckily I came out and was one of them Talk us
0: through this last few weeks, then, since that initial squad of fifty-five was announced and your name was in it. What was uh, what happened to James Bracey from there on?
1: Yeah, so um, started sort of a little bit lonely on my own, me me and um at the county ground, and obviously being excited to come come back to training just just generally. Really, I mean, it was obviously a long time at home in lockdown without any cricket at all. So first of all, that was that was a bit of a relief, and then going back into some competitive surroundings, being able to. Go down to Taunton and train with with their guys, who were also included. So that was really nice as well. And then, obviously, coming into the environment with with the full England side was, as I said, uh, surreal. And I think got me a little bit more noticed, which is obviously nice moving forward. But um, from the from the cricket aspect, it has been a great learning experience. Obviously, came into it with with little expectation really, um, and just really trying to to get as much out of it as I possibly can with a view to obviously moving forward, put myself in the hat
0: uh, for a test spot. And what was told to you when you were announced in that 55? Who gave you the call? What was what was said to you then as to what what it was all about and what it was for and what, what might be the short-term future for yourself?
1: Yeah, so um, back called me, the, the performance director at the ECB and sort of explained the outline of what the ECB were trying to achieve. Uh, obviously the return of international cricket, uh, first and foremost, which he was sort of positive about how I got on this winter and said I was going to be a part of that, but not specifically red or white ball at that stage, just sort of told me to get back into training and, and keep my skills up together going into the, the behind closed doors stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it was quite a brief outline to begin with, so... We didn't really know a huge amount until things started to happen quite quickly. And then to get the call from Ed Smith and say that I was part of the test group was um, was brilliant, obviously, knowing that you're going to be rubbing shoulders with the likes of, of World Cup winners and Ashes winners and coaches that have got countless amounts of experience was, um, was really exciting for me. And, um, yeah, I was just buzzing to get going.
0: How, how does that work in terms of the welcome and, and how you feel part of that? Because, I mean, you, you'll know a lot of the guys anyway, won't you, being part of the Lions yeah. and being part of other stuff, and obviously through the county circuit as well. But w- when you actually meet up with them and you're part of that England bubble, as the, as, as they call it these days, it's the, kind of the bio bubble and all this kind of stuff. Do you, do you feel at home straight away? Was it a, a welcoming atmosphere? And, and what was said to you when you actually first met up with all of those guys in the 30s?
1: Yeah, it was a, a really welcoming atmosphere. So obviously, you have you have doubts and um, lingering thoughts, sort of, as you go into it. Um, obviously, with it being very different and sort of reduced social opportunities as well, it was it was slightly daunting, obviously. Um, but I think that's just natural. The, the senior guys have have been really good and really welcoming to me um, and all the other the, the new lads into the into the group. So there's been absolutely no problems there, and I've instantly sort of felt a part of that. From a cricket perspective, it was just a case of I just really wanted to see where I'm at really. Obviously having played a lot of division 2 cricket um and a bit of white ball cricket Lions cricket. It's always nice to then to know that you're in the the best surroundings sort of possible to play for test cricket and I just wanted to see how I'd get on with that and sort of really where I'm at in terms of playing test cricket in the next couple of years. And
0: obviously you you got runs in the in the practice game as well which must have made you feel a little bit more part of it as, as well, I guess. You know, you, I know speaking to cricketers in the past that, you know, everybody has different steps up and it's always a challenge, but making some runs makes you feel a little bit more at home.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I had a, a couple of good net sessions, a couple of not so good net sessions in the in the lead up to that. So there's obviously always thoughts about, you know, whether you're ready and uh, what people think of you and that sort of thing. So to go out and score some runs against some of the more experienced guys was really nice and definitely gave me confidence going into the series that, you know, if, if circumstances did dictate that I was uh, in with a shot of, of being selected at some point, that I'd be able to go in and and do a good job in whatever I was asked to do. So, yeah, I definitely feel a lot more ready and up to the task now that I've got the, that that score behind me. yeah, it's just a case of continuing to work hard and wait for that opportunity.
0: And getting those runs not only gave you that little bit more credibility, I guess, in the squad, but a lot of people were watching that stream and a lot of people started talking about, you know, you always get at the start of a summer, and I know we're not at the start of the summer, but it is effectively, people start talking about their England 11s and who should be in the squad and what have you. And all of a sudden your name's being talked about. Oh, he got runs in the practice game. That's that's a different kind of world, isn't it? You're kind of entering there
1: yeah I think brought on a lot of Twitter notifications and stuff like that and things to, that I can read or or leave if I want to but um yeah it's nice to be in the thoughts of people, obviously, I have my name branded about a little bit, something that I've not had in the past. I think I've probably gone under the radar of most people, but yeah definitely to to be put in the hat um obviously amongst the guys who who pick the side as well as the public is is flattering, obviously, so it puts me in a place where now I'm probably hoping to sort of be close to the close to the test side really which is something that at the start of the summer going into what would have been the county season I was I thought I was still quite far away so it's nice to have, have taken that step and be in a position that I could be uh, at that point very soon. As far as I know at the moment,
0: England haven't named the squad for the, the second test just yet. It's imminent, I think, as we speak. But the first test announcement was obviously the the 13. And then there was the mm-hmm. a list of reserves, which included Sam Curran, Ben Folkes, Dan Lawrence, Jack Leach, Saki Mahmood, Craig Overton, Ollie Robinson, Ollie Stone and yourself. And so all of, the, all of the way through that process from 55 down to 30. It's almost like X Factor, isn't it? Some are going out the door and yeah. some are staying on. Uh, and you've kind of kept yourself in that in that frame. Does that mean that you are in that England camp and you're in the hotel and you're part of that bio bubble all the way through?
1: Yeah, I think we're our plan is to keep the 22-man group together throughout this first series. It obviously gives us options all across the park in terms of injuries as usual, but also from a health point of view, if there was to be any complications with anyone, it it, it gives us plenty of options to uh, for the coaching staff to look at. And for the likes of myself, obviously, being new uh new to the group it's an extended period for me to to test myself and and learn from people that a lot of people don't get the chance to um to learn from so i'm sort of taking the positives in that obviously it's been nice to um in all those sort of cutting stages to have been included you know the last one was nip and tuck I'd, i wasn't sure whether i'd be able to make it into 22 but it was obviously nice to, to get those runs and put my name in the hat so yeah hopefully throughout the series i might get the opportunity to um show my skills but um if not then it's been a a good experience and hopefully later in the summer the possibility is still there and what's
0: it like being in that bio bubble how different is that as uh from your perspective obviously from county cricket into england that's different anyway but being in a bio bubble and all of the different things that that brings as well that must be quite peculiar
1: yeah it's different obviously the, the differences in the in the cricket side were were to be expected but obviously the the off the field stuff you know the the COVID restrictions, the PPE, the lack of sort of social contact with people that, you know, if you were abroad on a tour or, or in a normal test series, it would be, it would be a lot easier to, you know, integrate yourself into the group. As I said, it's been, it's been plain sailing so far. The guys has been really good to me. So that's been great. But it is different sort of a lot of, a lot of free time that usually you'd fill with certain things that you've got to, you know, spend on your own or, or find new things to do, which is sort of how lockdown's been at home as well. So, um, yeah, it has been different. It's been weird at times, but I think it's something that I've got to do, obviously, in order to put myself in that in that frame to play test cricket.
0: The Cricket Budget Podcast is brought to you in association with tvsportsblog.com. Excellent sporting content. It's well worth a look and give them a follow on Twitter at TV Sports Blog. And I was mentioning the second test squad. It's actually, it's just popped up on my screen, actually, the test squad for the second test at Old Trafford. And I think three changes as far as England concerned with uh, Jimmy Jimmy Anderson, Mark Ward, and uh, obviously Joe Denley being uh, taken out of that. The two bowlers rested, Joe Denley stepping aside for Joe Root. And and coming in as far as I can see, and I'm doing this almost live. Um, Ollie Robinson and um, the Sussex players coming in. Chris Wokes is uh, in there as well. Oh, and Sam Curran has come in as well. I I pick my team. James the other day, and Joss Butler's kept his place in that, that test squad. I actually dropped Joss Butler, and I don't I don't expect you to make any comments on that. I, I stuck you in at number seven, and I got a few comments back, and obviously it's all about opinions and everything, isn't it? And uh, I got a few comments back saying that he doesn't always keep wicket in county championship games, because you and Roderick mm-hmm. kind of share the duties almost for Gloucester, this year, don't you, in white ball and red ball. And he bats higher up than seven. And I my my kind of remit for that was well I, I've seen you keep and you always look fairly tidy to me and it's much easier to kind of be a top order batsman and go down to number seven than be a number seven and go up to number three if you, if you know what I mean if, if yeah if you got offered the chance of being the wicket keeper in a test match and bat at number seven you, you're not going to turn that down are you
1: no of course not I think the fact that i've I've grown up as an opening batsman and and sort of prove my skills to, to suit to suit that. I think that plays into my hands as well. I think, as you said, if you're prepared to face the new ball and you've got a technique that, that's durable to that, I think that's only going to benefit you. Um, the ability at seven, obviously, at points, you're going to have to possibly counter-attack and, and play in a different manner. But I feel like in the last couple of years, my introduction to white ball cricket, that's something that I've developed, um, an ability to you know put the bowler under pressure as well as the... Um, Compact and have a solid technique, you know. In the in the lines this winter, I batted not at seven, but I batted at six so in the middle order and had some success. And I also think, you know, batting at seven, you're often going to come up against the second new ball anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's nice to have have that ability to, to combat that definitely.
0: And when when they announced this squad, obviously they've had a had a chat today, the selectors, and they've decided that this is the second test squad as far as they're concerned. Do they get all twenty two together and and tell tell you all as a group or? Do they pick somebody like Ollie Robinson out and take him to one side and say, "Ollie, you've done well in the next, etc. We're going to include you in the 13.
1: Yeah, I assume they've had those conversations with, you know, Sam and to say they're included and the guys will be rested. Likewise, we get just a message to say what the squad is. I'm assuming if, if lads are close and if lads are um, being left out, you know, they're going to have that individual communication with the captain, selector, coach or whoever. So, yeah, I think the communication is pretty good. No doubt Ollie would have been told earlier on today or something. So, yeah, obviously... Um, a great opportunity for those guys to, um, to push their case.
0: Team sports weird, isn't it? Because you are a team, and you are. One unit, and you're all pushing for the same goal in terms of winning test matches or county games or whatever. But inside that team, there's that rivalry for places, isn't there? And I guess you're all happy for Roddy Robinson. You'll pat him on the back, and if he gets his test cap, you'll say, well done, congratulations. But you also want to get in there yourself, don't you? It's kind of a strange dynamic, really, team sport, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Obviously, I think this group's been actually uh, it has been great. Guys sort of are out there for each other, and even if you've got someone, uh, you know, replacing you or... You're dropping out. Someone's coming in. I, I don't see that there's any sort of animosity or anything like that. I thought the way you know Stuart Broad being left out last week was um, the way he expressed his disappointment was was great. I thought on uh, on Sky. So he's obviously disappointed, but in case of you know that sport, and he's obviously hungry to get back in the side. And and likewise, the captain's justified his decision in in the right way as well. So I think you know it's a very professional environment, guys making their debuts and being called into squads are, are congratulated and guys like myself who are striving for those opportunities you know we just keep working hard and hopefully we can contribute to the success of the team at some point it's weird to think you know i'm in, i'm part of a group that's representing our country so you, you'd like to think that and i know that everyone's everyone's striving to you know play for play for that has that sunk in yet? I mean, what you just said there—it
0: made it sound like it hadn't really—that you that you're part of that 22, and you, you're carrying around an England bag and stuff. And it, depending on how they they go with selection and stuff, it it might be you next time.
1: Yeah, exactly. It is strange. Um, you know, constantly wet, just like as you said, little things like wearing an England kit. You know, when when last week's uh, folks in a in a pre-match sort of talk sort of talks about you know playing for your country, playing for the badge and. You know, you're representing your nation and it's, it's strange. Um, it's something that hopefully I can get used to and have a lot more of in the next few years. But yeah, still sinking in slowly, I think.
0: I'm just looking on the ECB site they haven't even got a picture of Ollie Robinson they've got the squad pictures there and there's just a shadow where Ollie should be but um, congratulations to him um, on his uh, call up to the 13 whether he'll play or not we'll find out tomorrow but I mean you've got some very big names there I mean Rudy's come back in yeah. today hasn't he from uh, having his second kid etc but you've got the yeah. Joffrey's and the Joss Butler's and the uh, World Cup winners as you say how, how much of a chance mm-hmm. do you get to pick their brains because one I mean the big thing about cricket and no matter what squad you're playing in people that go around tweet T20 franchises you got. On tours and what have you, and a lot of a yeah. lot of the the role is to sit down with people every now and again and just pick their brains and find out what makes them tick and if you can learn from them. Have you had that chance when you've been with England?
1: Yeah, um, obviously a lot of experienced players as well as coaches, so it's nice to, to not only speak to them but just observe them in practice. I've sort of taken a lot from how those guys go about preparing and bettering themselves, and I'm obviously asking the questions about their experiences and how they like to think about the game is is obviously something that's that's invaluable that you can't really get from anywhere else. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed that. You know, a couple of examples being, you know, the way I have in my first couple of Nets, sort of keeping against the spinners and Root and Stokes coming in and obviously batting directly in front of me and just looking at how they approach the game is is quite cool, more than anything. Obviously, these guys are people that I've been trying to emulate the last few years and now got sort of first-hand experience of how they've become the players that they are which hopefully, you know, I can apply to myself and give myself the best chance to, to achieve the things that, that they have.
0: So I'm just looking at the picture of Rooty on the ECB site, and I'll tell you what, he's been, he's been sitting in the back garden a lot, I think. Um, he's got a very, <laughs> very nice suntan. He's obviously been, uh, yeah, enjoying the, the weather during lockdown like most of us. His, his hair's gone a little bit longer as well. I think he hasn't had the lockdown the end of lockdown cut yet, but he, he's back in the fold, obviously, as well. Anyway, good good luck with the rest of your time in the bio bubble. And uh, as you've awesome. seen, I mean, if, if, if Ed Smith reads the Cricket Badger Twitter feed and listens to the podcast, then you might be closer than you maybe imagined to getting a, a test, <laughs> test match call. But we'll find out over the next few weeks. And it's going to be interesting. Some of the games are coming thick and fast, aren't they? So you never yeah, know exactly. what's around the corner.
1: No, absolutely. Thanks very much, mate.
0: Fed up of collecting your team's matchday subs? Worried about carrying cash post-COVID-19? Try SlateApp.co.uk. Less contact than contactless. Slate, the smartest way to collect weekly match fees and more. Download the app, SlateApp.co.uk. Not just for cricket, any clubs that collect subs. It just makes sense. Stick it on the slate. SlateApp.co.uk. Cricket Badger Podcast 20 Questions. Let's we'll start with question number one, then James Bracey, and we'll find out if you if you if you don't know anything about James Bracey by the time he's finished these twenty questions, you'll know a little bit more potentially. Question number one, though, James: If not a cricketer, what would you have done with your life if uh, cricket hadn't existed? Where would life have taken you?
1: Um, I'd like to think, yeah, I'd do something with my uni degree, so sports science. So I'd have probably gone into into psychology, maybe a master's, and then trying to to do something within that field. I I, I reckon.
0: Who has been the biggest influence on your cricket career?
1: From sort of a role model, role model point of view, I like to to look at Sangakara, obviously, keep a batter and able to, able to do both really, really well. Um, from a coaching point of view, I think Tim Hancock at Gloss has been really good. You know, Growing up, he was the academy coach, he was my school coach and he was my age group coach. So I spent a lot of time with him and he definitely um, helped me particularly with my batting.
0: It's a, it's a good job he liked you then, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. He spent <laughs> a lot of time together.
0: I <laughs> mean, um, you, you mentioned Sangakkara there. I mean, you, you looked down England's uh, batting order, going back to our previous chat. Uh, as a left-hander, that, that's potentially a, an advantage, isn't
1: it? Yeah, definitely. I think you've obviously got your Burns got at the top and you've got soaps in the middle at the moment. Um, I think it's always nice to have that contrast of right, right and left. So hopefully at some point, you know, I could slide in there. Um, in there to join them.
0: What's been your best moment in cricket? If I could take you, James Bracey, back to any 20, 24 hours in your cricketing life, where would mm-hmm. you take me to?
1: I think 100 at Lords was probably well up there. Um, championship game for Gloss. So I don't think many people get to play at Lords, let alone score a 100. That feeling was pretty amazing. I'd probably put that near the top of the list.
0: That's pretty, pretty special, isn't it? You know, the, the home yeah, of cricket and to, to raise you back there.
1: Yeah, it was. I think we are back for the draw as well and I think saved the game. And to score runs, I think it was one of my first, well, it was sort of in the first 10 games I played as well. So I think that sort of thing puts you on the map a little bit. But yeah, to, um, to stand there in the centre of the and raise your back um, was pretty pretty amazing.
0: Your career, I mean, you're still a young man. I mean, there's a question on the 20 questions about bucket list for general life things later. But the in terms of bucket list for a cricket professional, you're, you're ticking, off, ticking them off pretty quickly, aren't you, really? Um, you were fairly young when you got into the the Gloucestershire setup. You've kind of taken things in your stride, Lions, and now into that England squad. It's uh, it's moving at a pace, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's been quite a sort of quite a quick transformation in the last sort of three years. Sort of got to be aware that it's not always going to be high flying like like that throughout. Hopefully, what is going to be another fifteen years of my cricket career. But um, yeah, it's certainly been nice to keep ticking off. Those sort of accolades and making those steps up into different into different opportunities. And I've uh, taken those opportunities pretty well so far. So hopefully when the next one comes, which will obviously be the biggest, if and when I'm able to, to earn a cap, um, hopefully I can do the same.
0: We've we talked about your good stuff and we've talked about this kind of meteoric rise, if, if for want of a better phrase. What's been your worst yeah. moment in cricket? Has there been a dark day yet in James Bracey's cricketing life where you thought, Well, I mean, this isn't great?
1: Um, you know, pretty early on before I sort of made the academy and stuff at Gloss, I was quite late joining that and I had plenty of times where, you know, I went to trials and played in trial games and training sessions and that sort of thing and, and sort of been turned down and had to go back to the drawing board and just play sort of my club cricket and my youth cricket and of wonder what I needed to do in order to make that step up. That was sort of probably a, a tough time, and I think that's why a lot of lads at that age turn to other things and express other interests. Which, luckily, I didn't do, and I kept working hard and kept my head down. But yeah, that was definitely tough as a young lad trying to trying to make your way and being told no a few times is quite tough.
0: Does that make you stronger? I mean, it's cliche, but uh, you know, bad experiences you tend to learn from them and, and maybe get a little bit of a more of a drive to to actually prove people wrong.
1: No, absolutely. I think at some at some stages I've sort of learnt the hard way, I think. You know, I didn't have the, the exposure to what a lot of lads did growing up and I've sort of had to become a different route to a lot of them through, the you know, the uni scheme and um, scoring runs in club cricket in order to earn those opportunities. But I think that, you know, it has made me stronger and I think it's it forced me to learn my game a lot quicker than maybe some lads do. So, um, definitely has, has had its benefits as well as its downfalls.
0: You've already mentioned Kumar Sangakara, so I'll, we'll take it as read that he's one of these. But who who was your cricket hero when you were a youngster? Who was on the the poster of James Bracey's bedroom wall?
1: Yeah, so he would be up there. Love watching Adam Gilchrist. Love watching, you know, Alistair Cook and Graham Smith. Not from sort of an eye-catching point of view. But, you know, there's plenty of batsmen who you look at and you think, wow, like some of the shots they play are ridiculous. I think I just really enjoyed, you know, that. That ability to score runs and how they could, you know, bat the day after day and, and have a mental capacity that that allowed them to do that. I really enjoyed the fact that, you know, Graham Smith did what he did in test cricket with almost a limited ability and limited technique, you might say. Obviously, I had bags of it, but compared to other guys, maybe didn't have as much as some people. So I love the fact that he was able to be so successful with such a simple and, and rigid game plan.
0: I heard you on the, the Gloucestershire Fans podcast, the Off off the Back Foot podcast, and mm. um, you, you were talking on there about batting time and that you knew if yeah. you could bat, Certain lengths of time that you'd have certain amount of runs because they'd naturally come, and that that's that. I found that quite refreshing in terms of listening to a young player, obviously thinking about red ball cricket, and uh, yeah, potentially making the step up into a test team. Because I think England teams of of recent times have had that. Oh, we'll hit ourselves out of trouble kind of things. Rather than we'll mm-hmm. gr- grit our teeth, we're going to hit ourselves out of trouble. I did a bit of research. um I think it was last summer actually where I wanted to try and find the, the batsman that had batted the longest in, in first-class cricket in England and who could get their heads down and, and actually occupy the crease and Sam Northeast was right up there but one one of your um, your teammates at Loughborough Uni was at the top of the list Hassan Azad Leicestershire batsman I've not seen a lot of Hassan he, he follows the at cricket underscore patchy Twitter feed as well but the tell, tell me a little bit about him because he he interests me because he's getting runs and he's also staying in for a long time and I think that's a really yeah. good trait
1: yeah yeah, I think played the past for a few years at Loughborough and I just think he's the most driven lad you'll like ever meet. I think come on to county circuit quite late, having played a lot of, of twos cricket, a lot of uni cricket, but he's always he's always been really meticulous about his game and, and you know, being the best version of what he is. I think he's got a, a game that is hundred percent, you know, his and he he does everything to um to suit his strengths. you know, he's He's really patient. He leads the ball really well. He lines up the ball really well. Um, he's got a really compact defense. And I think he's built a game around that rather than working from expansive back in, which I think is, has suited him really well when he's gone to Leicester. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, but then you don't want to take away from the fact that he's got a lot of scoring options as well. He always did really well in one-day cricket when we were playing uni uni stuff. Um, he's got, like, really good riffs. Um, and he's able to, you know, hit the ball in unconventional areas, which I think is why he's been so successful in his first year or so. His is guys haven't been able to sort of work him out, really. But I've no doubt that once guys, you know, see more of him, he'll be able to combat any any challenges that are put in his way. And I I think he's, he's going to be really successful in the next couple of years. Podcast
0: listeners, that, that is a perfect example of why it's always good to ask a player about somebody else rather than themselves. Cause that was a, that was a great answer but yeah you know you, you very rarely get cricketers actually bigging themselves up really but that was a really good answer on Hassan Azad and he, he would never probably have given me that answer if i'd asked him the same question so it's actually quite quite enlightening going back to yourself though i mean the process behind that question initially was kind of batting long you'd be a very different number seven if you if if you if they went down my route and played you as the wicketkeeper batsman at number seven, if Joss did lose his place in that test side, Joss is in there. I mean, a lot of people, one of the first names on the team sheet when it comes to white ball cricket, he was initially picked in that in that test side to potentially take the game away from oppositions if the platform was there. But you, you would be more of a, I was going to say safe pair of hands, which is a bit corny when you're talking about a wicketkeeper batsman, isn't it? But somebody that was a little bit more traditional test player, traditional test batsman.
1: Yeah, I think wherever I bat in the order, I'm just... I'll I'll go with my own method. I think um, I like sort of I like to say accumulate runs rather than you know go through spells where I really get on top of a bowler and and take them down as such. So yeah, I'm looking to you know rotate strike and and score in my areas. Right. Um, it's not going to be as expansive as some people, um, but I'd like to think that I've got a, a well-rounded game and I've got the ability to to score around the wicket. But yeah, definitely I think more of an accumulator rather than a you know destructive. Um, counter-attacking batsmen that, that some of the other lads might be
0: if you could trade lives with any current player for a day you live in their skin you experience what it's like to have their skills and uh, and, their, yeah. and their lives who would you like to uh, jump in the body of and uh, and play like them
1: well I think if it was going back to last summer you'd want to you'd want to experience what Ben Stokes did I think he did <laughs> some absolutely ridiculous things you know last summer and increase the profile of cricket generally really obviously what he did in the world cup final what he did at Headingley, some of the stuff he's done bat ball in the field you know but i'd just be really intrigued to see what it'd be like to be steve smith what goes through his head really obviously just completely off the scale technique that that's just really effective and obviously he loves cricket and he just constantly is is thinking and of ways to improve himself so it'd be nice to have a taste of what what he's thinking
0: he is the the typical cricket badger isn't he, he he's basically yeah. just lives and breathes the game i mean if, if he's number 10 on the on the on the scale where would you put yourself are you, are you somebody that thinks about it all the time or do you like to get away from it as well
1: i would say i, I think about it all the time i'd say that i'd consider myself a badger definitely um i do love cricket I think to some extent most most guys have to be if you're going to do it for a living. I wouldn't say I constantly think about. It. I do like to do other things and I try to take my mind off it for the most of the time. But um, yeah, I certainly like you know watching highlights and scrolling through Twitter and seeing what seeing what people have got to say and stuff like that. Um, I do love following the game as well. Yeah.
0: Do you shadow bat in the shower like Steve Smith does?
1: Absolutely not. No, I like to <laughs> like to keep you know especially when I'm away at home. You know you might find a bat around the house or something, but um. When I'm aware, I like to keep all my cricket kit out of my room so that, um, so that there's no temptation, so that I can just chill out and, and sort of re- relax a little bit. Just going back into the
0: Yo Bubble um, stuff. They, did you know Ben Stokes before um, linking up with the the 22? And yeah, because I mean, I, I'd imagine if you didn't, then you're a bit in awe of somebody like that, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd played against him once, but that was a couple of years back for Gloss, and I don't don't think he would have remembered who it was really. So no, I'd, I'd heard really nice things about Ben. And, Sort of, I, I got a text from him a few days before we came in, just sort of saying, you know, welcoming me, congratulating me for, for being involved. So I, I thought that went a long way in terms of helping me out, and I thought that was a really good move from him on his part, obviously, as one of the senior players. But yeah, turning up and Seeing your name on the on the training sheet in a group with Ben Stokes is bit it's definitely a bit weird. I mean, you, you watch him on telly; he does all those
0: heroics, and then the next thing you know, you're actually in the same room in the same kit. It's that's quite a, a big
1: jump, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that that's gone a long way in showing me that you know I'm I'm really getting close now. And it's a case of those when I do next play, whether that's for Pummy County or or for for England, you know, I'm I'm really close to to achieving what I've always set out to do, which is a really a really nice feeling.
0: I'm going to put you in charge of world cricket for a day or even county cricket yep. for a day. What one thing would you change or introduce to make the sport better? Good
1: question. I don't know. I'd quite like to play five-day cricket in, in championship cricket. You know, uh, it's obviously logistically not as feasible, but I think, you know, it'd be nice for the guys who are playing county cricket to get a real taste of what that extra intensity is like. And obviously it would prepare people more so for, for test cricket. Uh, yeah, I think that would... That'd be pretty good. Obviously, I understand that why it isn't, but it would be nice to have that taste before you take the step up to test match cricket.
0: There's potentially an argument there to say. I like that answer I mean there's a lot of people saying that you go down to three days and go back to how it used to be but yeah and and the hundreds kind of shortening the game and and everything's getting a little bit more bite-sized but yeah potentially you could actually have fewer county championship games in the season but make them five day and make them all count and make them more significant
1: Mm, yeah definitely I think you know a lot of people would want it to go the other way Um, but I think a lot of that in county cricket especially probably goes down to the types of wickets people are, are preparing in order to get results. And I think if it was five-day cricket, it might go the other way. And hopefully, you, you know, you could produce pitches that that produce games that go go the distance, which we've seen a lot of in the last year in test cricket. And it it really is it's great viewing. So hopefully, at some point, I'll get to taste that. It would really get
0: batsmen building an in innings and encourage spinners to get more help on days four and five, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think... In that aspect, obviously having played in Division Two, which is is slightly different, you don't see spinners having that much of an effect a lot of the time. Obviously, in Division One, it's starting to, to take its toll. But yeah, in terms of you know producing quarter batters for the Test team and, and and spinners for the Test team, it would certainly increase the uh, the amount of those in county cricket.
0: The next question I often ask to people. For people, I mean, bring an example. I asked this to Chris Nash the other day, um, the the Knots Opener. I'm asking it to you now as a 23 year old. So the the kind of the the distance between you and being 14 isn't quite as long as it was for Chris Nash. Um, yeah. but If you were starting your career now and you could you could send yourself a message and you were 14, is there any advice that you'd do to do, do things differently? I mean, we talked about things moving a pace and everything's gone pretty well for you, hasn't it? But is there anything you'd do differently if you could give yourself uh, as at 14 some advice now?
1: I don't know if there's anything I'd I'd do differently. I'd just try and reinforce some of the some of the key things that I like to try and stand by really. Um obviously always work work as hard as you possibly can. Um and I think sort of opportunities are really a really big thing which I probably wasn't aware of back then. Um, you know, every small opportunity you get to you know play up an age group or or play in an academy game or play you know with guys who are older older and wiser and better than you or train at a certain a certain level just try and take every opportunity you get I think I think all your experiences are gonna are gonna help you at some stage and you you might come across that one learning experience that that changes the way you think about the about the game and could transform your game so I think just try and take every opportunity you, you come across
0: They say rock stars want to be sportsmen and vice versa it appears to me that all cricketers want to be footballers if you watch the pretty much warm-ups but if you could have been famous doing something completely different what would you have chosen?
1: Um, yeah I mean growing up I always wanted to be a footballer I played some academy football growing up so that was you know when I was much younger was a, was a name of mine I think as I've grown up I've become more keen on, on golf so that would be pretty cool to to be traveling around the world and be one of the best at at that. Um, And recently I've got a bit more into the F1 as well. So I think more so, you know, some of the things that those guys are capable of is is pretty amazing from someone looking from the outside in. So to do either of those would be pretty cool.
0: What academy was that with?
1: Uh, Bristol Rovers. So nothing huge. <laughs>
0: you see, I mean, it shows you decent. That's a that's They might they might be lower down the the food chain, but there's still a, there's still a professional football club. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, definitely. If you could meet anyone, living or dead, have a dinner party, maybe invite two or three guests. Who would you like to meet?
1: I'd like to meet one of the you know, someone like Bobby Charlton, and one of the World Cup winners would be pretty pretty cool. I think any cricketer would like to meet Don Bradman and what see what he's got to say about cricket. Yeah. Uh, I think sort of away from sport, I think someone like Piers Morgan would be quite funny as well. I think he gets loads of criticism, rightly so at times, but um, I also think he'd he'd offer a lot to a, to a social gathering like a dinner party, so I think it would be nice to have him
0: there. It wouldn't be a quiet affair, would it, with Piers Morgan at the well, one, Exactly, yeah.
1: <laughs> you have a lot of humour flying about.
0: <laughs> Steven Spielberg is on the phone to you, um, and it's he's saying it might be a little bit premature because I know you haven't played for England yet, but we can see a lot in you, and we're going to make a movie about your early life. Who would yeah. play you in that
1: movie? It'd be cool if Bradley Cooper would play me. He's- He's one of my favourite sort of actors, so that'd be nice. I think DiCaprio, uh, someone high-profile, good-looking, you know, <laughs> paint the best picture of yourself.
0: <laughs> What's the last time you can remember feeling really nervous?
1: I mean, looking back further than the last couple of weeks, because there's definitely been times in the last couple of weeks i felt a bit nervous. I think probably my, my first-class debut. I sort of, at that stage, I'm the first to admit that I probably wasn't quite ready for it. So pretty daunting as it was, but then to rock up and I was at, it was at home to Sussex. And had Chris Jordan and Joffa running in, and Ollie Rob running in. So sort of a pretty good bowling attack as well. Um, and yeah, I was absolutely just cacking myself really. <laughs> and that, I mean,
0: but that experience, I guess, makes you go away work and come back and be better, doesn't it? I mean, it's kind of again, some, yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, as I've as I've approached this situation, it's sort of you know see where you're at it gives you definitely gives you a good marker of of where your skills are at and how they cope with with the level you want to be playing at so uh, as i've learned a lot of stuff whilst i've been here i learned a lot of stuff those those four days and i think it definitely put me in good stead going into that winter and, and the next summer
0: what's the top item on your bucket list things to do before you die hopefully there's an awful long time before that happens but uh, what would you like to do
1: I mean, I went on one when I was a bit younger, um, but not to the point where I can really remember it. But I think safari in South Africa or somewhere would be, would be amazing. Um, it's something that me and my girlfriend are both dying to do. And I think that would definitely be up there, hopefully at some point, get myself on, on a tour that side of the world and hopefully have the opportunity then. What What
0: does she think about you being in the Biobubble in a way?
1: Yeah, it's a bit different, obviously. Um, I mean, she she travels a lot for work as well, so... We're sort of used to that being apart, but um, it's it's a bit strange knowing that, you know, I'm not that far from home, but away for five weeks is, yeah, it is, is a bit strange. But no, she's, she's fine. She's really supportive, to be fair.
0: Are you a morning or a night
1: person? See, I'd have said I was a night person, but then since being here, I've been waking up early and going to bed early, so I've probably been more of a morning person, but yeah, usually I'd be a night person. The, the, the Fonz,
0: Happy Days, it's probably um, far too old for you to actually know who the Fonz yeah. is, but uh, on a scale of one to ten, the Fonz was uh, a guy in, uh, a, in an old TV thing who wore a leather jacket. He clicked his fingers and the jukebox came on and he was as cool as you could get. On a scale of one to ten, ten's the Fonz, as cool as you can get, one is not. Where would you put yourself on that uh, scale? Oof,
1: uh, I'd probably put myself near the middle. Really, I wouldn't. Um, I'm up there, sort of towards ten. Probably give myself a six, maybe. Okay. I wouldn't want to blow my own trumpet too much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you had access to a time machine, where and when would you drive it to? You can go
1: forwards or backwards. Oh, that's a good. That's a good question. I mean, it'd be it'd be nice to to see you know what the world's going to be like in. In the future, you know, in a hundred years' time, um, when, you know, I'm not going to be here anymore, but see what life's like after you after you pass on. So, obviously, with technology and that sort of stuff, there's, there's no sort of scope of what the world's going to be like, so it'd be nice to see that.
0: If you could live anywhere in the world, have a second home in any country, yeah. where, where would you choose? Uh,
1: at the moment, I'd say Barbados, hands down. Great place. Um, yeah, I think some of the houses you see around the coast there and... You know, I've been there a couple of times. The people are really friendly. I just love the, love the vibe, love how people live their lives. Obviously, cricket mad as well. So, um, yeah, I'd probably go with Barbados. If you could change one thing about
0: yourself, what would you change?
1: Question, I'd probably give myself better hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not it not quite yet, but, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like a better head of hair.
0: You could talk to Ben Stokes about that. What will, you be do- <laughs> what will you be doing in 10 years' time? What will you be then? 33, you'll still be playing, will
1: you? Well, fingers crossed, um next 10, 15 years, yeah, I will still be playing. But um, obviously, don't know what, what life's going to be like in the future. So, yeah, if, if it's not cricket, hopefully, you know, have a family and be passionate about something else. As I mentioned, sort of psychology is something that I'd look into and got sort of quite into some writing over lockdown. So maybe that one of those will come to fruition.
0: Question number 20, and thank you for coming on the Cricket Badger podcast today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. If you'd been picking these questions and you could have asked yourself anything you wanted to get a, a great and exclusive answer, this is basically tell me a secret, James Bracey. What would you have asked yourself?
1: God, um, I have absolutely no idea.
0: <laughs> That's not the sort of question I was expecting. Yeah. Um you're into psychology, you're a deep thinker. You should you should be able to plough the depths and tell me something that nobody else knows. Yeah, I know,
1: but I'm not, I mean, I'm interested in psychology. I wouldn't say I'm that good at it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> probably just um, go back to when maybe I was 13 and 14 and sort of started pursuing cricket and to say, what were you thinking? That's what people met, used to ask me at that age. Like, all oh, my mates. you be like, well, why do you want to play cricket? It's boring. There's so many better things to do with your life. So I'd love to see what, what I'd have said about that. And what what do you reckon the answer would have been? I don't know. I just I was good at it, so it was nice. It was nice to you know be good at something. Um, sports mad, you know. Played it quite good. It was right by my house. And then I'm so competitive that when I put my mind to something, and I decided I wanted to be a cricketer, then nothing was really going to change it. Going to ask you one last question
0: before I say goodbye to you today. But yeah. if if that England cap, if and when, because it's going to happen at some stage, how much would that mean to you to, to to get that cap on your head and to represent England?
1: Yeah, that would just be you know. I can't even imagine what it'd be like to, so, uh, you know, ask me that again. Hopefully, fingers crossed, if that if that happens at some point. Um, yeah, I think it just sort of represents all the hard work I've put in and all the the sacrifices I've made. As I said, you know, growing up, I've I've given up sort of a lot, lot of opportunities elsewhere outside of cricket. That if I hadn't played the sport, I'd have I'd have been able to do, which you know I'm aware of, but not many people get the opportunity to, to represent their country at anything, let alone you know, one of the, one of the country's biggest sports. So if that, if that day comes, I I know that it'd be a very, very proud moment for me. And, um, you know, the people close to me as well.
0: I'll tell you what, when that happens, we'll get you back on the Cricket Badger podcast and we'll, we'll ask you what it actually was like. And hopefully it's not too far away, but until that day, enjoy the rest of the summer. I mean, you've got a great opportunity to be in that England bubble and to, to at least learn from this summer. And I hope you enjoy every moment of it.
1: Cheers, James. Thanks, mate. It's that Badger style.
0: Thank you very much indeed to James Bracey for joining me on this edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. I think you'll agree, a really good bloke and a really impressive young man, somebody that seems to have got his head screwed on, knows what he wants to achieve and so far in his career, he's taken the step up and he's continued to achieve. So who knows, this summer we might see James Bracey with an England cap on his head. So wish him luck for the rest of the summer and as I said at the end of that interview, hope he enjoys it. Whatever happens to him, he's got a great opportunity this summer to learn from the very best and certainly to take away a lot lessons if he doesn't get the call and doesn't actually play a game it's a massive education for somebody like him and he can only benefit from it so wish him all the best for the rest of the summer and hopefully uh, we get some cricket over the winter and he can make a, an England squad in that as well thanks to tvsportsblog.com for their support of the cricket badger podcast it's always much appreciated they've been a great help during lockdown and beyond so give them a follow please on twitter at tv sports blog and we have cricket on the tv we're starting to th- get very close to County Cricket coming back. So I'm nearly at the stage where I can say the usual sign-off always used to be, Enjoy your cricket badges. Well, just recently, I've not been able to use that because there hasn't been any cricket to enjoy, but we're getting there. Cricket badges everywhere. And it's great, isn't it, with the test matches and everything to talk about live sport and to discuss team selections and to have all of those kind of debates available to us again. Plenty of great cricket badger podcasts just around the corner. And until then, I've been James, and this has been the Cricket Badger Podcast.